Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. I want to uh, encourage all of us to be in prayer for our pastor and our pastors and leaders of the church here. Uh, I was a pastor for a long, long time. It's not easy to be a pastor, and it's uh, even more difficult in these days in which we're living. So I'd just like to encourage all of you each day as you spend a little time with the Lord, just take a moment or two to lift up our leaders and that God will give them strength and courage and whatever they need. I want to read uh, from 1 Kings this morning. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. And then I want to skip over, uh, just for the sake of time, to verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I'm your servant, that I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord, God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Acts chapter 2, which is the New Testament counterpart of this Old Testament story, said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The theme for this month that has been chosen by our pastors and leadership is the Holy Spirit. Today I want to speak about three pictures or symbols of the Holy Spirit. There's many more in the Bible like a dove, oil, seal, and several others. But the three that I want to speak about today is found in both the Old Testament passage and the New Testament passage, and they are the fire, the wind, and the rain. John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, He, that's Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and with fire. The word baptize means to cover, to immerse, to clothe, and to endure. John said when he comes, he will immerse you, clothe you, cover you, endue you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It was on the evening of the resurrection when Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room, says in John 20, 22, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The word breathe is the same as the word wind. What happened on that resurrection evening is that the wind of the Holy Spirit blew into the room like it hovered over the ancient creation in Genesis chapter 1, and it brought new life to the discouraged disciples. The third picture in the story in the Old Testament is the picture of rain. Isaiah prophesied, Isaiah 44 verse 3 said, I will pour water on him that is thirsty. All you need to be is thirsty. He said, if you're thirsty, I'll pour it in abundance on you. And I'll pour floods upon the dry ground. And I will pour my spirit on your descendants. It was Joel who later prophesied, he said he will cause the rain to come down on you. The former rain and the latter rain. The former rain was the day of Pentecost and the latter rain is the outpouring of the Spirit of God that we are witnessing today in the last days that is absolutely sweeping across the face of the earth. We have the promise of the rain. Let me give you the background to the Old Testament story just in a nutshell. Ahab is king. It is said of Ahab that he was the most wicked of all the kings that came to the nation of Israel. His wife was Jezebel, who was a worshiper of Baal. And in the consequence of time, the altars of God are torn down, and in their places, the altars of Baal are erected. The sin was so prevalent, the turning from God was so terrible, that God sent Elijah to Ahab and said, there'll be no rain for three years, and it will be a sign of God's displeasure. If you read in the Old Testament, you discover that rain was always a sign of his favor, and no rain was a sign of his displeasure. Well, the three years passed, and once again, God speaks to Elijah. It said, the word of the Lord came to him again. And he confronted Ahab and said, we're going to have to settle once and for all which God we will serve. So he said, you come with the prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel. 
And we will build an altar. They'll build one, and I will build one. And they'll call on their God, and I'll call on my God. And the God that answers by fire, that's the God that we will serve. So the altars are erected, and the priests of Baal cry out all morning, half of the afternoon until three o'clock. But of course, there is no answer. It is then that Elijah took over and called the people, and he said, come near to me. And what Elijah did is significant, and it's really important, and I want to share the steps with you that brought the fire of the Lord upon the altar. And it was the coming of the fire that convinced the people that Jehovah was the true God. Let me say this before I unpack it. I believe that we will never convince this city or our province or our nation that God is who he says he is until there is a demonstration of the fire and the wind and the rain and a manifestation of the supernatural flowing of the Spirit of God. Paul said when he came to Corinth, I did not come with excellency of speech. I didn't bring my smarts, but he said I came with an absolute dependency upon the demonstration, the manifestation of the Spirit of Almighty God, and it will take that to awaken the world in which we live. Now let me walk you through these steps. First of all, it says that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. It had been broken down, and he repaired it. He did not make a new one. He repaired the old one. The altar was the place where God and man met. It was the place of prayer. It was the place of communion. And we read about Abraham in the Old Testament who was called the friend of God. And there's three things that Abraham did. You know, he moved about. He was a shepherd. And when he moved about and went to a new place, he built an altar. He pitched a tent, and he dug a well. The altar was his relationship with God. The tent was his relationship with his family. And the well represented his job, or his business. What we need to understand is that Abraham built the altar first. Often in the journey of life, it's easy to lose our priorities, and the well becomes the most important, or the tent. But what we must understand is that the altar must always be first. Our appointment with God, our relationship with Him, the place where we meet Him, 
face to face. And what I've discovered in my life and, and I've observed with all kinds of people is that often we need to come back to the place of the beginning and we need to repair the altar. There's an old song that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I know that firsthand. I understand how life can come in, how the pressures can come, and how somehow or another, the altar, our connection with God, our place of meeting, can easily get shoved to the side. So Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. When you read the Bible, you d discover so many words that are the same as repair, like restore, revive, refresh. Let me read some scriptures to you. Psalm 51, verse 12, David cried out, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. It's easy to lose joy. I've lost it all kinds of times, and I've struggled lately with the whole issue of joy. But I've discovered that I need from time to time to pray with David, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Psalm 85 verse 6 says, will you not revive us again? Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2 said, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. You know, the spiritual journey is something like life, and there's a thing called middle age. And when you get to middle age, there's a tendency to drift. You know you're never going to climb that mountain and not get too much further, and it's, there's always a temptation to kind of just sit back. And that happens in, in your spiritual life, too. We come to middle age. And we think, well, we've gone far enough and we'll just kind of coast the rest of the way. But I believe we need to pray this prayer. Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Let us go strong until the last day we take our last breath on this earth. Revive us, O Lord, in the midst of the years. Psalm 51, verse 10, David prayed, renew a right spirit within me. And Acts 3.19 talks about the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. You know what it's like in life when you need to freshen up. And there's, there's times in our spiritual life when we get weary and maybe a little defiled and we pick up the accumulation of the world and there comes that time when we need to say, God, I just need to come back to the beginning. I just need, I just need for you to touch me and refresh me and restore the joy and the excitement and the satisfaction in my spirit that I once knew. I've discovered the Christian life is like shooting a rocket to the moon. They say you have to keep making mid-course corrections. And in my life, and perhaps in yours, you've discovered that too, that it's easy to wander, it's easy to slip, it's easy to get careless, it's easy to drift. And, 
And perhaps today's the day that the Spirit of God is speaking to say it's time to come back, repair the altar, reestablish your relationship with Jesus, and let's move on. Let me quickly move on. The second thing is that Elijah used 12 stones. The 12 stones are significant because they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. But at this point in time, they are divided. There's two tribes, Judah, and there's 10 tribes, Israel. And they're divided, and they're often in conflict with one another. But Elijah knew that if the fire is going to fall, they had to do something about the division that racked the nation. I believe that unity is the key to the coming of the Holy Spirit. I believe that the dove, the picture of the Holy Spirit, is, is moving around. It's seeking for a quiet, restful place to come, whether that's your home or our church or whatever. I believe the dove is looking for a place to rest, and it'll rest where people are of one accord. It says in Acts 2 and 1, in the, in the preface to the falling of the Holy Spirit, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven. If we have any differences, we need to lay them aside. We need to walk together in peace and in love and prepare a place for the Spirit. It said about David that he prepared a place for the ark. And the ark was the place of, the, of divine presence. And, and I believe the Spirit of God is calling us as individuals and as a church. Let's lay aside whatever bothers us and focus in on what's really important. And what's really important is that we walk together in love and in unity and with one accord. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. He said it's like the, the oil that it comes upon Aaron's head, ran down his beard, on his clothes, covered him entirely, and there was such an outpouring that it ran on the ground. And when you read that psalm, you think ahead to Jesus. He is, he is the head. He was the one anointed without measure. And that holy anointing oil that was on Jesus now is flowing down over his body, the church. There's enough for all of us. There's ample. He said it's like the oil that comes, and it's like the dew in heaven on Hermon that brings refreshing. Number three, Elijah dug a trench. It said that he dug a trench around the altar. It was quite large. And what he was doing was he was separating the altar from the people. I believe that this is talking about holiness, about godliness. It seems to me that we've allowed quite a bit of the world to seep into the church. And we've allowed quite a bit of the church to seep into the world. And sometimes the lines of demarcation are not really clear. 
But we're called to be a holy people. We're called to be different. We are called to come out from among them and be separate. I believe there should be a radical difference between us and our neighbor that doesn't know Jesus in our lifestyle, in our conduct, in our attitudes. He dug a trench. Fourth thing that Elijah did is he poured on the water 12 barrels. Nobody could accuse him of false fire, sneaking something in there. This, this sacrifice is totally soaked and submerged with water. I believe that the water is a picture of the Word of God. Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify her, the church, by the washing of the water by the Word. I'm thankful that I come to a church where every Sunday this Bible is opened. And when it's open and I'm sitting down there, it's like a mirror. I'm seeing myself. I see some things that need to get cleaned up a little bit. I, need some, I see some things that I need to get fixed. But I hear the Lord saying that my blood is enough to cleanse you, wash you, make you clean. And I come here and I hear the word of God and I read it in my home. And it washes me, it cleanses me. The washing of the water by the word. The last thing I want to talk about, which is really the key, is that Elijah then began to pray. He prayed for two things. Let me read it a bit out of 1 Kings chapter 18. He prayed first for fire. Verse 36, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that, that this people may know that you are God. I want to stop there just long enough to say this in passing. The reason we need the fire is because we live in a city and a province and a nation where most people are lost. And we need the fire to convince them that God is real. And he said, Lord God, send the fire that this people may know that you have turned their hearts back to you again, then, then the fire of the Lord fell. But fire, as good as it is, is not enough if there's been no rain for three years. And so as we read the story, Elijah goes up, to the top of the mountain, puts his head between his knees and begins to pray. The New Testament said that he prayed earnestly, that's fervently, passionately, crying out to God. He prayed that it might rain. 
Now, he had the promise. And I don't understand a lot of things in the Bible, but what I do understand is that you got to pray the promise into being. That's what I know. And he went up on the mountain and began to pray. And after a season of prayer, he sent his servant out and said, see if there's any clouds building up. And the servant came back and said, no, not nothing. Prayed again. And again, the same response. Twice, three times, four times, five times. Sometimes we're praying, it seems like the answer is never going to come. I'm still praying about some things. And I think, Lord, when will the answer ever come? But I hear him saying, it'll come. Your part is to keep praying. It's like the disciples prior to Pentecost. They went to the upper room. They were there for 10 days. I can't imagine it. 10 days in prayer and supplication, seeking the face of God. I wonder if some of them at home after day three or day seven or day nine, perhaps. But I'll tell you, the people that, that experienced the fire and the anointing that day were the people who prayed it through. And Elijah prayed seven times. And after seven times, the servant came back and said, you won't believe it. But there's a little cloud the size of a man's hand, and Elijah said, that's enough. The rain's coming, and it did. Let me give you half a dozen scriptures as I close the message. But what's absolutely clear from the Old Testament story and the New Testament story is that prayer and the coming of the Holy Spirit are linked together. Second Chronicles 7, verse 1 when Solomon had dedicated the temple, it said when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven. Not when he finished planning or strategizing, but when he finished praying, the fire fell. Zechariah the prophet said, ask the Lord for rain. Well, he had promised rain, so why ask? I don't know. I only know what the Bible says. Ask the Lord for rain. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. It was James who said, you don't have because you don't ask. Ask. Acts 1.14 said, these all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication. And then the fire fell. Acts 4.31 says, when they had prayed, place was shaken. Time for the place to get shaken with the power of the Spirit of the Lord. When they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. My prayer is, God, shake us, touch us, 
fall on us, fire come. Let the wind of the Spirit blow over us and let the rain of heaven fall upon us. There's an old song. I'm going to read as a prayer as I close and the pastor will come. This song is so old that I bet nobody knows it except me. (laughs) But we used to sing this song in church. I remember singing it as a boy. And I want to read it, but I want to read it as a prayer. You can join me if you can. I don't know how that's going to work, but I want you to join me in your spirit. Just join with my spirit as I read this prayer. Thou Christ of burning, cleansing fire, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. Thy blood-bought gift today we claim. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. Look down and see this waiting host. Give us the promised Holy Ghost. We want another Pentecost. So send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. Verse 2, God of Elijah, hear our cry. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire to make us fit to live or die. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire to burn up every trace of sin, to bring the light and glory in. The revolution now begins. Oh Lord, send the fire. Send the fire, send the fire. Make this personal in your spirit. Tis fire we want, for fire we plead. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. The fire will meet our every need. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire for strength to ever do the right, for grace to conquer in the fight, for power to walk the world in white. Oh God, send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. Open your heart and your spirit. Just as our pastor comes, lift up your spirit today and say, Lord, for me, for our church. Lord, send the fire. We're hungry. We're thirsty. There's a cry in our spirit for a fresh touch of God. So today, Lord, we we repair the altar. We open our hearts. And we cry out, Lord, Send the fire. Such a great, powerful. 
Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.